gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest edition of ESSR Central here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. I'm your host this week, Stephen Wilson, and as usual here on this show, we're going to be talking about all of the, the goings-on from the last week in professional wrestling. There was a lot that happened this week, I think it's fair to say, with the last week, so we'll be going through as much of that as we can over the next about an hour and a half. But before that, as usual, just a wee bit of housekeeping from us. You can find us on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. Uh, if you've not subscribed to us before, please do. We're on all good podcasting sites and all bad podcasting sites. I don't know what differentiates the two, but hey-ho, we're on them all. <laughs> and you can also find us on YouTube, where we've got loads of great content on there as well, including Quiz Showdown, which one of my panellists will be hosting the next one coming in the next couple of weeks. And the Book It Tournament, which myself and one of the other panellists did well in and the other one didn't but you have to go to youtube and find out how that went on the book tournament there's also some show called conspiracy theory that that guy with the big forehead hosts but uh, that's all (laughs) but enough about that let's introduce the panel for this show uh in wrestling we've got some great brotherly duos we've got the hardys the usos we've got Harlem Heat, we've got the Kernans from this podcast, but we also have the Harris Brothers, the Dick Brothers, <laughs> the Sings, um, my first two panellists, the McLeods, Ross, Scott, I, who are I would kill to be the Sings, I would absolutely kill to be the Sings, and I find it ironic that I've been told I've got a big forehead by the man there that's got a head like a feckin' orange. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a bit more of a in, in gravitational pull. He's got a bit more of a fringe, so... Yes. Because that's like mine back. <laughs> yes, further exposing the sheer size of it. <laughs> this podcast is known for bad hairlines and big foreheads. <laughs> you don't have your own niche, don't you? Exactly. Wrestling with foreheads. That's going to be the next spin-off of this particular podcast. Uh, and uh, joining us this evening, she's making her debut on the podcast. Obviously, it's a debut. I've not got anything bad or <laughs> uh, bad comments to make so I'll go with the nice ones on this one she um, is not from Scotland which is obviously a good thing uh, she is a referee a baker and yeah. a dog lover which will help her in this podcast we've got Hayley Stewart on with us today Hayley thanks for joining us for the first time thank you for having me <laughs> some enthusiasm clearly which is um, lacking from some of okay, some usually, but no, it's good to have good to have you join us for the first time. Shame it's with uh, the brothers Grimm here, but I am absolutely delighted to be here. I find it a privilege that I am on this show today, <laughs> and I will not abuse that privilege. That's a, that's a first. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for joining us for the first time. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Call it. Thank you. Anyway, let's get into the topics on this show. Uh, on a great day where a WWE Hall of Famer has left the White House. Never thought I'd say that. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that. Uh, quickly before we get into it, uh, Donald Trump, no longer president. He's a WWE Hall of Famer, so I need to mention it. Uh, anybody got any disparaging or maybe even a positive remark to make on it? Any of you, t- you guys? <laughs> Silence means everything. Uh, <laughs> the na 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 chan. Goodbye. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, you need to get it. You need to get it there, you know. It's like, this is the big question now is, is um, if he gets impeached, will they keep him in the WWE Hall of Fame? I mean, Jimmy Snooker's still in there and he's done a lot worse, so. <laughs> so, you know, there's a. It's, it's weird to see where WWE draws the line with the Hall of Fame. Yeah. That's very, very true. That's very true. There's a lot of. I mean, Scott Hall's in there at least once, and is he not admitted to killing someone as well? So. Yeah, like accidentally, I think he was either fighting the guy, pulled a gun, they fought over it, and the gun went off. Uh, he said in his, like, his network documentary. <laughs> but. Is the other one who killed someone and admitted it on like, Twitter? Who's that? Yeah, but he's... Marty Gennady? I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame yet. Ah, uh, not like that. <laughs> I just, that's he's the only not... other one I remember, like there being a big Twitter thing about, about him like literally saying on Twitter, I killed someone, and I was like, ah, maybe not tweet that. We could be here all day talking about all the things Marty Gennady's admitted online that he's uh, probably going to regret. it. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs there and I've came back to an episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Let's talk about people people. Well, even though he started it oh, a bit bloody Trump just because he happens to be in the Hall of Fame. Trump it's relevant, you know, it's in the news. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's took a stunner before. Yes, it's our central, not CNN. They, they never ever mentioned him while he was in office so as not to rile stuff up. I, th- I don't think they'll mention him now. Like removing him from the Hall of Fame means mentioning him. So, like, I think they just want to, you know, WWE is in the big white, the big wide world when it suits, and other times it's in its own wee bubble. So, I think it's a case of, yeah, we're not, we're not going to mention him. <laughs> but uh, we'll move away from uh, Mr. Trump, and we'll come to. One of the obviously big things that we come up to at this time of year with wrestling is, of course, WrestleMania. And WWE this week made a raft of announcements when it came to WrestleMania, not just for this year, but for the years coming up. So there was obviously been speculation over the last few weeks of would they push the WrestleMania date back to try and give as much chance of making it as big an event as possible. And turns out they have. And they've given it once more to the SoFi Stadium no, not SoFi Stadium, sorry, the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. I'll get my arenas wrong, which host, was meant to host last year's WrestleMania and obviously didn't because of all the COVID stuff. Uh, they will be getting WrestleMania 37 on Saturday and Sunday, April 10th and 11th, with the next two years worth of WrestleMania's also been announced. We've got the AT&T Stadium in Dallas, uh, which hosted WrestleMania 32, will be hosting WrestleMania 38 uh, on this April the 4th, 2022. And the SoFi Stadium, yes, I get that right this time, will be hosting the Mania the year afterwards in 2023. Uh, Haley, I will put you on the spot right away on this one. Two-night WrestleMania again. What's your thoughts on it? I think it's grand. Like, I went to, what was it, 29 and 28, and it's a long day. See, when you're down, like, doing a WrestleMania and actually witnessing it, like, people forget, like, you're there, like six hours before <laughs> and you're staying there and if it runs over it runs over Joe you're in that stadium for two or three and you're not getting out till near 11 or 12 it's a long day so I think splitting it over the two nights is great because it gives so much more opportunity to all of the locker room all of the roster it gives them so much more of an opportunity to build storylines rather than just throwing it on in a quick here's two three minute match that Joe cuts off this storyline that you've been building up for two or three months gives everyone that opportunity to fight for a spot because 
there's more spots available. So I, I think the, the two night WrestleMania is great. I'd rather have it spread out over the two so that it's watchable as well. So that people aren't staying up as late and aren't knackered and maybe people don't necessarily have to take a day off work to watch it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Scott, you mentioned this on uh, the Wrestle Kingdom show. I can't remember if it was a preview or the review show, one of the two of them, about that that, that show being split up over two nights as well. Uh, do you think this is something that WWE would probably consider long term? I mean, I know they've obviously announced that the, the two years after is going to go back to one night as it stands, but do you think this is just a COVID thing just by keeping minimum people backstage? Or do you think this is something that they could potentially do every year going forward, kind of like what you Japan have done? Uh, I think they did this out of necessity because of, of COVID, because they did it last year and now they're doing it again this year and they've announced for. Uh, the next two years with their manias, but they've announced them just one day because I think they're hoping that by the time they get to those WrestleManias, we'll add to some sort of uh, normality and get like maybe a fuller stadium of people in. And they're hoping for maybe that'll give fans something to look forward to getting to go to those WrestleManias. Uh, whereas, like reports are, they're, they're going where a certain amount of fans, but hopefully they'll be like spread out because you know it's still in Florida, which is still a hotbed in the US for COVID. So yeah, I think much like uh, New Japan, because they had two now main belts, which which factored into the two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, and now looking like they're going to unify that, which probably means they'll go back to one night. I think once they, we can move on, move forward from COVID, we will go back to the traditional one night WrestleMania. And I remember Becky Lynch saying that technically WrestleMania 35 was a two night WrestleMania because we remember watching it, guys. How long it was first? She said that the main event. Uh, the women's triple threat main event actually finished post midnight uh, US time, so that was technically able to. So I feel bad for the people who had to sit through that long WrestleMania, like seven hours plus. I know it's crazy. It feels good. There's apparently going to be three hours each, which could be uh, very, very good for us, especially over in the UK. Uh, Ross, this year's uh, WrestleMania that's came out today, actually, apparently, that WWE are aiming for a minimum of 25,000 fans in the Raymond James Stadium. Do you think that's a push this year? I do. Um, I was, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to pretend that I wasn't scrolling on Facebook when I was in the bathroom and I seen this. Uh, I read an article in NME. Um, it was, uh, it was talking about a, a concert in uh, New Zealand. It was the biggest concert uh, worldwide since the lockdown began. That had twenty thousand people at it. And it was one of the health experts in the UK that said, given the size of the UK and given the rate the vaccine's going out at, um, you're probably looking at September before we can get concerts back like in the UK. So when you look at the country the size of America and then the fact that they, they don't have universal health care, they don't have, you know, a, a, an NHS that can just roll this out. I think it is very, it's very presumptuous to think that just because there's a vaccine out there that they'll be able to have 25,000 each. I don't think the vaccine will be at that point yet and I highly doubt international fans are going to go because... Can like, we can't get out of the country. <laughs> exactly, well, exactly. Well, Haley was saying, was it 28 and 29 you said you went to? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like... We've spoke to Ryan uh, on the podcast, who's been the one before, and Josh as well, and they've both said like it's a year's worth of savings. Yeah, so, yeah, completely. So sorry, sorry, you go. Um, it's like either you do it all separately, and that's a year's worth, of- 
your plan, trend plan out all your tickets that you're getting all separately, Joe, or you go for the package deal, which is a lot easier but costs a lot more. And then you're trying to sort dates because the package only covers certain dates, and then you're trying to buy more access tickets. And maybe that's the reason why they're holding the two days this year because they don't they won't have access sessions to worry about. They won't have. I don't know how they're going to do a Hall of Fame, but you know, maybe they don't have to worry about that. So they're cutting down a lot of their fan days. So they can't afford to do the two days worth of WrestleMania because they're not worried about it clashing with anything. And not that probably any other companies are going to be running that same weekend um, unless someone tries a stab at running that weekend. But, you know. Drew Janela's quite quite ballsy. I can see him doing something. (laughs) Well, like... The, the price of it, you know, even, even just not even WrestleMania, the price of a flight to the States from the UK is extortionate. So if they announced maybe like with a month to go, or oh, by the way, you can go, I don't see very many people being able to go. So I think 25,000 is presumptuous. I think like, you know, even in the wider scale of things, people talk about having Glastonbury and, you know, Reading and Leeds in the UK this year. And like experts are saying, no, I'd be planning for next year. Like it's gonna, you know, it's not just twenty twenty one, right? Twenty twenty happened, it's over. So I think you'll get your fans in the stadium. You won't have twenty five thousand each night. I don't believe. I think next year, and I think the reason they're doing Texas for twenty twenty two is WrestleMania is because that is a big hundred thousand seater stadium, and so many people. I think they will fill it because so many people will want to go because they've missed out on possibly two WrestleManias. Yeah, I think they could, uh, for next year's one in Dallas, uh, I think they could, they'll fill that. I think they'll be able, I think they'll be, if there's no form of normality in 2022, I think I'm going to lose my absolute mind, you know. Nothing to do with the fact I'm getting married next year, you know, nothing to do with that, you know. I can't, I can't deal with another postponement. Uh, I'm quite enjoying the lockdown because it means I can drag my feet and go, I mean, do we really want to get married in this climate? <laughs> Come on, we'll, we'll wait. Like, let's wait till normality, twenty thirty four. I don't know. You, you just you, you do any excuse to dodge it, you know. <laughs> oh, of course. And plus, my, my Haley doesn't listen to this, so I can say what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. The things you do when she's at work. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scott Haley mentioned about the Hall of Fame. The talk is the Hall of Fame is apparently going to be a virtual affair, so. Kind of like any other event that they've had over the last 10 months, you know, over Zoom with technical difficulties. They'll cut Batista off halfway through his speech, you know. They won't be able to find Liger. They won't be able to find a good connection for Liger, you know. Half the locker room will leave the call before Batista's speech. I know. Uh, People would have loved to have done that when Mr. T made his speech years ago that went on for about two days. but Scott, do you think that's sensible? A virtual Hall of Fame? Yeah, I don't actually know why they haven't done it sooner because they're doing it now. So technically these people are in both 2020 and 2021 Hall of Fame class because of the way that they've you know, dragged it. Every time JBL appears on a kickoff panel, they keep calling him a Hall of Fame inductee elect or something like that. I just imagine like considering who was in that class, having like you had the NWO in who were inducted. I imagine Hogan trying to work Zoom for a virtual hall of fame is like teaching your grandparents about the internet for the first time. Like, where do you type in your your Facebook or your Google machine or whatever? Put your mic on. No, the other one. No, you're muted. Put your mic on. Hulk, you have to wear a shirt for this. Good lord, man. 
God, I don't know. Point, point the camera up. Point the camera up. They're like sitting like this close. Like, can you see me? I'm on. I can just imagine them all looking like that one, that one distant relative you have on Facebook that has five Facebook photos and it's all a really too close selfie of them like that. <laughs> you could just you could just picture it, couldn't you? It would just be so they wouldn't even properly wear their suits, you know. Liger would still be Liger would do his Kane Survivor series twenty twenty. Full gear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Liger Liger shows up at uh, like up to like the New Japan the Japanese commentary table and it's like Liger's always sitting there in like a casual like a shirt shorts, still wears the mask. <laughs> yeah, you know, wear normal clothes. They'll probably show up in a tuxedo with the mask. <laughs> I know it's something else, but uh, Haley. Other aside from next year's one, there's obviously or this year's one. So there's obviously the other two ones have been announced: Dallas and California. Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on those uh, selections? Um, Ryan R- Ross Benson. Ryan did the podcast. He loved going to Dallas for Mania 32. He thought it was amazing. Well, I've I've only I've been to California, um, which was brilliant. I went not last year, a year before. Um, and I think it's two really good hotspots for them for wrestling. I think there's a lot of wrestling fans in both. I would love to go to Dallas, Texas, not even just for wrestling, just to be in Dallas, Texas. And I think they're really good at pinpointing the places where they think people will go and stay for longer as well. And I think the cities are always very grateful for that because sure, if it's in Florida, I'm like, yep, I'm going, there's Disneyland. I'll stay for the two weeks and do Disney while I'm there. So anywhere where you can kind of tourist and do all that, I think it's great. As I said, never been to Dallas, so that would really, really appeal to me. Um, California's a wee bit of a longer track, a wee bit more expensive, so they would have to do a really good deal for that one for, I think, their UK fans. But I know people people who love wrestling will travel, travel wherever to go see it. So... Um, it's interesting to see because I thought they were going to just rotate on the same three for a wee while. So whether it was Florida, um, New York was the other one, and New Orleans, I thought it was just going to be those three for a while. So I'm, I'm really glad to see Dallas and LA in there as well. Yeah, cracking mix of them. It's just hopefully hopefully we get a bit more of a WrestleMania spectacle this year than we did at WrestleMania 36, you know, where yeah. you know we got yeah. Goldberg versus Braun Strowman. The one in 2023 where they're going back to Hollywood, obviously you knew they were probably going to try the WrestleMania Goes Hollywood thing again, like they did back at WrestleMania 21. Yeah, that was meant to be this year. Yeah, no, but also now that's going to be 2023. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping now because of how much time's passed since last time they went Hollywood, they'll have the subtitle WrestleMania Goes Hollywood, the reboot, and now the vignettes are just superstars being in reboots of famous films. And that's what they do for like the vignettes, like when they had in the first one, Triple H and bloody Braveheart or Undertaker at Dirty Harry. I don't know. Oh, you're a pony. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking like all the films that have been made since then that they could then parody, like the New Day trying to do Inception or something like that. Just the rocking on his own movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brent, that'd be interesting. Oh, please, don't, don't, don't. Don't get my expectations up that The Rock will be there. <laughs> he's not going to be there this year. No, no, he's not. It's not going to be a full stadium. They're not going to get a rock. Uh, one guy who may potentially be there or may not be there is one of the great mysteries currently in wrestling. Uh, yes, it's becoming a recurring segment on this show. It's Whitewash. <laughs> As we figure out what is happening with Jay White 
good thing we've got Scott on the show this uh, this week to kind of talk about that. Scott, the latest development on Jay White, his um, profile has been removed from the UJapan website, both the, uh, the English version and the Japanese version, increasingly adding speculation that he could be going elsewhere, which was fueled further when doing uh, some sort of, I can't remember exactly what he was doing, but El Fantasmo on social media was asked the question of is Jay White leaving? And he replied yes, as El Fantasmo does. What do you think? Has this made you doubt any more that Jay White could be leaving New Japan for WWE or even some other company? Yeah, I don't really know what's going on anymore. Like, I had a, pretty sure there was like a poster for uh, the New Japan Cup that came out and he was like near the bottom and like I was talking to, to Grant, this is a situation similar to WWE where like they make these like images for like big shows like ages in advance he just happened to be on it at the time and they didn't know what his contract situation was going to be but I think uh, New Japan like think about this more if they wouldn't advertise somebody who's not going to to be there and if I keep I think they keep they want to take his, his profile off maybe to build speculation about it but I'm starting to think more and more that he's not going to he's not going to leave because I think they, even though he could go anywhere else I think the main thing is WWE or more likely NXT specifically if he does leave. And I think basically the rumble is about it. I think a lot of people are going to be waiting to see if he shows up and if he doesn't. Uh, pretty sure around at the time of uh, rumble is when the first big shows of New Japan's like New Beginning happens. And so that weekend will probably be uh, very like telling to see if he shows up at one of these shows or if he shows up in the rumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ross, this has kind of been a recurring theme in some most years since 2016 where AJ Styles showed up in the Rumble New Japan contracts seem to run out at this time of year and we've always there's always some rumour we had a couple of years of Kenny Omega rumours really really not go to WWE before the formation of AEW and Jay White, Jay White seems to be the win this year I mean what's your thoughts on it you know from a, a WWE mark that you are you will, you will admit at times <laughs> not a WWE mark it's just WWE is the most easily accessible wrestling <laughs> Yeah, but you love you love defending the Fed. <laughs> oh no, I, I will defend it to the end of time. I hate when you see people go hoot to admit it, but Rob was really good last night. Why would you hate to admit it? What? Oh damn it! I was hoping for a shit show. I was hoping for two hours of Gilbert versus Max Mini. Like no. <laughs> uh, um, sorry, I'm calm myself down and get back on topic here. Um, I, I don't know. There was a couple of years ago. Um, John Cena, uh, the infamous Instagram troll that he is, um, posted a photo of Jay White when his contract was meant to come up, I believe it was two years ago, before he signed an extension. And, you know, I, 2016, a lot of, I think a lot of New Japan guys' contracts run out just after, um, just after Wrestle Kingdom, try to remember what that thing was called. That, just the biggest thing in Japanese wrestling, uh, slipped my mind there. Um, just like a lot of guys' contracts run out after WrestleMania and the WWE is standard protocol just to make sure everyone gets to your biggest show so you then know what you're doing with them. Um, but honestly, I, I, I'm, trying, I, I'm trying to sound interested, Stephen. I, I really don't care. I'm, I'm going to be, I don't watch New Japan. Um, Jay White has an interesting gimmick. Uh, I think he stands out in New Japan, but there's... Like, I, I can't turn around and honestly say 
I know that much about Jay White to be like, oh my god, is he coming to WWE? If he shows up in the Rumble, I will pop, it'll be a surprise, it'll be cool. But, but I really can. I, I was trying to, you know, build up to it, but I, I really don't care. Uh, <laughs> Hayley, do you know more about Jay White and his work in New Japan than Ross clearly does? I know a little bit. I, I started watching New Japan two, was it two years ago for a wee while. Two hours ago and prep for the show, yes. It's alright, Hayley. I don't like them either. <laughs> um, it, it was someone introduced me uh, and then... Um, I just I stopped watch. I can't even remember. I, I just couldn't um, get watching it anymore, and then that kind of sort of faded out. But I know of Jay White. I know of his work. Joe, I watched a good couple of his matches, and um, was really invested in like his character and stuff. Absolutely brilliant heel. Really, really love to see him. So I actually had to Google what this promo was that everyone was going a bit mental about with Jay White for New Japan, and um, I couldn't find the video, but I found like a transcript of it. And Flip, I wish I would see the video now because like the transcript was hilarious <laughs> um, going through it. But yeah, um, it does seem like around this time that a lot of the New Japan wrestlers sort of are in contract negotiations. Um, I don't know whether it's just like a big um, thing about him sort of rebranding and then coming back to New Japan, not as Jay White, but as someone else. Um, Jay Blue. Jay Blue. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know whether it's just him going need a break. I've been doing this for what I think he's in the thing three and a half years now, and he hasn't been back seeing his family, seeing his friends. Maybe he's just going right. I'm done for a wee while. Just give me a break, guys, and then he'll rebrand himself and he'll come back to New Japan in like a whole different light. They'll put him in a whole new storyline and blow him up again. Whether it means he is going to WWE. Um, I don't know whether it would be such a surprise if he goes to the Rumble now, considering that it's blown up online that he possibly might be leaving, leaving New Japan, or whether that means oh, he's definitely going to be in the Rumble or not. And then, of course, he could also be going to AEW slash Impact, that weird crossover that's happening right now. <laughs> Gives him opportunities, but then if he's saying about missing his family in New Zealand, why would you then travel halfway across the world to work there if there's travel arrangements made, I don't know, so it's, it's, he's left everyone guessing, he's, he's working us hard, and yeah, I'm interested to see what actually does happen, so yeah. he's got invested at least, so. Yeah. Can I ask, um, was his last match for New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, he fought, fought Kota Bushi in the main event. So... Oh yeah, for you years dash. Aye, the next night. Aye, said, I'm only going. And that promo said I'm only going to be there because I'm contractually obliged. After that, I'm done. This was January sixth. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, he could have flew straight to the states. Mm. You know, we've heard a lot this past few weeks that elite athletes do have exemptions, and you know, going to maybe places like New Zealand. America, Dubai is not against the rules. Um, of course you would freaking get Dubai mentioning on this podcast. <laughs> Ryan's going tonight. I'm doing it as much as I can. Uh, no, um, but like he, he very easily could have flown straight to the US, yeah. done his quarantine, got his tests and all that. And, you know, we, we could be in America right now, just like chilling out. <laughs> Because I don't think he'd go to New Zealand, do their quarantine, then come to America. And do, I don't think there'd be enough yeah. time. So I think he's, if he's went to New Zealand, 
he's not he's not going to be in the rumble if he's if he's went to America. It's because he is currently isolating. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, WWE will do a bit of shithouse. They'll get to number 30. They'll be like, ah, oh, it's Jay White, it's Jay White. And then out comes Elias. Oh, <laughs> I would love that so much. Oh, three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> like, we thought Joe was going to show up in 2017 and then number 30 was Roman. And then it Joe was a summer win, Joe. Oh, it was gonna, they, thought it was, they thought it was going to be Joe. They thought it was going to be Kenny Omega. And then it was... Roman Reigns. Oh. Can, I, can I ask? I was thinking about this the other day. Um, when did number thirty in the Rumble become this big thing? Like, I know, I know, twenty fourteen, everyone in the arena wanted Daniel Bryan, and they were upset it was Rey Mysterio. But like, it was pretty much a thing that for years, like the Raw or SmackDown before rest, uh, before the Royal Rumble, someone would win a battle royal and already be number thirty. You know, China, X-Pac, Rikishi, Goldberg, you know, that's what, 1990, so at least five, five years, no, sorry, six years, and four of those rumbles, we knew who number 30 was going in. Like, when when did it become this big thing? Tugboat was number 31 year, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I know, it's, it's a I crazy racket. Um, I was watching the very, very first WWE thing I ever, ever saw was Royal Rumble 2008. <laughs> and I was in holiday in Florida at the time and my wee brother bought it in Walmart and honestly, I hated it so much because he put it on every single night. And I <laughs> don't want to see this thing on my TV every single night and we were there for two weeks. So it was like, and we just had to rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it. And by the sixth or set, I hated it. It was like, Kyle, get this off my TV. I don't want Joe to want to see this. This time I was bought. Oh, you hate you hate the John Cena return more than the you turned on that quicker than the the crowd in Madison Square Garden did that night. It's like ah, Cena. Oh, we don't like him. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Like I was talking to people, but and they're like the Royal Rumble Tesney, and I was like, yeah, and they're like, so you didn't get why Cena be number thirty? I've lost my script. And um, they were like, you didn't realize why that was such a big deal. And I was like, no, it's just an entry. I don't get why everyone's going mad totally lost and you forget about it so that's the only reason like I registered a 30 was something like always surprising because that was the John Cena surprise to me mm-hmm. which I forget because he was out on entrance all that so I'm like oh I get it now I get it it's fine yeah they've done it then and then other times it's just been like oh my god it's the big show how can anyone eliminate the big show <laughs> how can it fun fact big show has never needed more than one person to eliminate him in a royal rumble match i mean we're not true we did seven it took seven what? people to gang up in this i mean when you when you have our truth eliminating you while eliminating mark henry at the same time you gotta stop <laughs> asking how many you can someone eliminate big show exactly uh, uh something else ross i'll come to you in this one because you were quite strongly uh, gave a quite a strong opinion on this, rightfully so. It was uh, news that came out from WWE Hall of Famer Lita this week on her Twitch stream regarding a segment she was involved in back in 2006. Uh, 2006 it was. Uh, the infamous Live 6 celebration segment with Edge after he won the WWE title in which she said that uh, Vince McMahon threatened to fire her if she didn't do the segment. Apparently the likes of Edge and John Cena who were also involved in the segment in some way tried to convince Vince let her pull the segment but obviously she didn't they didn't 
the segment happened and that's history you know mm-hmm. that was in 2006 but obviously society's came a long way in 15 years uh, rightfully Vince is getting a bit of stick for this one I think it's fair yeah. to say yeah um, it's, it's a weird thing um, like we were talking about how how uncomfortable it would be for the likes of you know um, for Lita who you know strongly objected it and you know if it is something somebody feels uncomfortable with you know it, it, you know you could say like by the way we just want you to move under the covers like you know you don't need to be anywhere near it just make movements like but no she, they wanted them maybe like half naked fully seen doing to be, to be doing stuff and like no no amendments were made to the script and then you also think about while it's uncomfortable for Lita it's also uncomfortable for say Edge who also now has to go out there doing that knowing that the person he's acting with is uncomfortable you've got John Cena who has to wait to come out to do that you know you've got the the production agents and the people in the back who now know that one of their talents is really uncomfortable doing that and it, it just makes a really really hostile workplace and really really makes an uncomfortable work environment for a lot of people you know it's while Lita is the main victim I think the big picture is it also goes down throughout your talent pool and throughout your your workplace and it causes a an, an unhappy environment you know what I mean like I, I, I was trying to word that there we're making it look as if you know oh well these people suffer you know Lita is this the one person who suffered the most, whereas like there is others who are like uncomfortable with things that are happening in the you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally mean Haley, the thing apparently came out of obviously Lita's obviously refused to do this and then this is apparently the thing that started spiraling her eventual departure from WWE less yeah. than a year later. You know, it's it's a it's a pretty cruddy situation for somebody who's recognised by many as one of the greatest female wrestlers that the company's ever had. Yeah, definitely. And I think you as a woman speaking as a woman to be put in that situation and I know men have been put in that situation as well and it's it's if you're uncomfortable you're uncomfortable I don't think you should ever 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 be forced into doing something that you're that uncomfortable with um something that they are unwilling to change to do match your needs so I'm willing to change parts of it to make it more comfortable I think that it was like for him just to go no it's happening whether you're uncomfortable or not it's happening you know I remember watching that segment um, feeling extremely uncomfortable but then at at that time WB was in that kind of environment where all of things were extremely sexualized Uh, there there was a lot of that going about and but I, I think you should be thinking about your talent over thinking about your fans like, I don't really think any of the fans would have complained if that segment didn't happen. I think there was a lot of fans that were maybe traumatized by that segment, especially if you have kids and stuff. How are you supposed to explain that to kids? And I do I do feel very much for Lita in that situation because that's something she has to look back on now and know that she was forced into doing that and that she had no other choice. So it was her job at the end of the day and she had to think about herself and... Joe, whether they would have did he threaten to fire her on the spot if she didn't do it I don't know if it was on I think it was on the I probably would have been on the spot you know what? it's a weird thing in America that you can just get fired on the spot 
Yeah, but quite like that, Joe. The risks are, but the fact that she had to go through with that when she completely and there was so much talent that felt uncomfortable <clears throat> with that, Joe. But we know what Vince is like. When Vince wants something, Vince gets that, no matter how many heads he he knocks or how many people he hurts or how many people's feelings he hurts. If he wants it, he gets it. So. But I do feel extremely sorry for her. I don't think she should have ever been put in that situ- situation. And I think it's horrible that she's had to wait this long to actually say truthfully about it. And this is the problem now. Joe, she, I think she's out of the business now completely. I don't think she's re-signed. She's not even with a Legends contract with WWE. But the fact that she has to be so careful even speaking about that and speaking against that just shows like how much other stuff has went on that people have not spoke up about they were uncomfortable about or didn't want to do or things that have happened backstage it just spirals you know yeah yeah uh, scott this was a weird period I, re- I remember watching as a fan where vince seemed to be obsessed with uh, seeing how many of the divas he could be on screen with and a relationship with i remember there was the the trish stratus stuff in 2000 there was a weird that got led to the wrestlemania match with shane and the the pop held around the world for Linda McMahon getting off the wheelchair, but that was this, this Trish stuff leading to that was weird. He had a weird thing with Candice Michelle at one point as well, which did not look like it was ever a possibility that it was going to be. I think this is just part of Vince's weird fascination in his head with being this sort of like machismo man, that type of thing. Seeing this type of what he likes to see. Yeah, like often it's been said that Vince wouldn't ask a performer to do something that he wouldn't do. But then you got to think there are certain things he, he should do, or should he be asking people that, he, that work for him to do? And I think this is one of them. And I think you got to think it's especially uncomfortable for for Lita because she wasn't brought in like some other woman who had a kind of modeling background to just kind of for their look. She was brought in as an actual wrestler. She's seen as one of the like true like women's wrestlers at a period where women's wrestling wasn't taken seriously and. You know, it's not actually the first time I've heard a story about a woman uh, who apparently was threatened to be fired. Really, I heard a story of Luna Fashon, who was told before a big tag match at Mania 14 that if she didn't make Sable look good or Sable got injured, then Luna was going to get fired. And so she had to be very careful with somebody who basically never wrestled before. And then afterwards, nobody really thanked her except Owen Hart for how good a job she did. So it's kind of a... I think there are times where it's kind of a thankless job, and honestly, it's uncomfortably for being in that position and I don't want to be like finding connections where there aren't any but you guys think the fact that she left the company that later that same year you guys think that plus the fact she was getting so much hate both in the locker room apparently and from fans over the Matt Hardy situation you guys think factors like that all have to like connect to why she eventually just left the business completely mm-hmm. yeah uh, Scott I'll stay with you on the, the next point I want to go into it's around about something I think you briefly talked about about last week when you hosted uh, last week's Central. Uh, it stems from the Drew McIntyre uh, COVID situation on WWE. Uh, apparently, according to Meltzer, that this is not the... Um, Drew is not the only one apparently suffering from COVID in the WWE you know, roster. Apparently, according to him, there's also one wrestler from SmackDown, another from NXT, and another big star, in quotation marks, who have went down with it. Uh, to this COVID outbreak over the last couple of weeks. And there's also been talk that many of the WWE talent are still unhappy about the protocols going on in the Performance Center. Uh, there's also 
just we've also seen in the last couple of weeks a lot more of these names coming out from AEW side of things as well of having COVID in September the likes of Jericho and Nick Jackson Lance Elser was obviously the one we knew about back then but the names are coming out it's, it's crazy to think that we're in January and WWE still apparently are not getting their protocols completely right what's your thoughts? Yeah. Like they, they, remember when everything like the first minute of performance there they said about the global like situation and it wasn't I don't think it was until uh, Drew mentioned that he had it that really the somebody saying that they had COVID was mentioned on screen or even the phrase coronavirus was mentioned on screen and it's interesting because like there were a bunch of people who weren't on Raw the week that Drew had to miss it and then they showed up on this week's Raw so you gotta wonder who exactly this is that's, that's been affected, you know, AEW as well. We had found out about Jericho during September. He had it, then he did his quarantine. Uh, you got to think who else may have it. Also, they've said reports are that people in Impact have also had it, but no names have came out. I know Alex Shelley had to miss the pay-per-view, but he came out and said that it wasn't due to COVID. you got to think, given the current situation, it would be unlikely for somebody if they had it to just come out and say that they didn't have it, you know, unless, you know, but... Uh, it's, a, it's a weird situation. It's weird. I think it'll be telling when we get to the Rumble if like somebody suddenly pulled from the show or somebody's like you think why was so and so not there when you think he'd be in the Rumble? Then you probably think he would, they probably had it because I think like early last summer people like Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville came into contact with somebody who had it and they quarantined, but they never mentioned it. They just like took them off TV like right in the midst of their like sto- big storylines. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's quite telling? I'm just saying this hypothetically, as he's been one of the people we've talked about as a Rumble favourite. Keith Lee was not featured at all on Raw this week. Mm. Do you think that's quite telling? They're wrapping him up in cotton rules, such and such, with the Rumble coming up? Uh, maybe. Because like, he was a big part of the Raw that Drew was, had to miss, and then he wasn't. But you know, with WWE, half the time, like sometimes people are taking off TV with no reason. You know, and sometimes like somebody who wins the Rumble it like didn't appear like two out of the three weeks leading into the Rumble so I think only time will tell with that one yeah uh, it was annoying for me because obviously he's my captain in this season's draft I got great points from him winning two matches last week and got absolutely hee-haw from him this week and the only other person I've got from Raw is Reckoning which obviously if you understand what's going on in Retribution you'll understand how annoyed I am about that uh, more on the protocols Haley. I'll go to you on this one as you are a, a wrestling referee you know yeah. you're probably the best person to talk about this one uh we've seen some local promotions who have been able to run shows obviously with closed circuit uh, refer- some referees with face masks you know yeah. it's led to the questions in wwe maybe even and even aw in some degree why the referees should the referees be wearing face masks should the announcers be in the plexiglass you know should they be doing all they can to protect this aspect of the you know the sport if they're going to yeah. continue especially if with a, a, a phase of the vaccine rollout across the world that things may get quite uh, escalate a wee bit again do you think that's a obviously as somebody who could have been in that position if Ireland was running wrestling shows uh, that, that could have been a good safety measure for the WWE staff yeah I think any kind of anything that they can do to protect their talent their staff any anyone working if you have to wear a mask you wear a mask so referees 
yes, we do. We work hard throughout the the shows. Some people do. I I'm the only referee for a couple of my promotions over here, and you forget like how long you're out there. So do wrestlers come out and they do five ten minute matches and then they go to the back and they relax. Like I'm out there forty five minutes to an hour just constantly. But I would be more if any of the promotions over here or any promotions that I travel to asked me to wear a mask. I would be more than willing to wear a mask because at the end of the day, I want to protect myself. I want to protect my family back here. Do I have a 94-year-old grandfather who's just got his first COVID vaccine? So obviously at the moment, I'm not even um, going to training. I'm not, obviously, we can't train anyway with the rules and regulations over here. But if training was on, Joe, I would not be in contact with any group training. Um, if it means wearing a mask, if it means I have to wear gloves, Joe, we, we usually only, I have the gloves in my trousers anyway for any blood during matches. Um, but if it meant that I had to wear gloves and I had to have hand sanitizer on any of those gloves, not that I'm in complete contact with the wrestlers, um, I think it, it's a good idea going forward. Joe, you don't have to, obviously breathing <laughs> is a thing, but you can breathe just as, just as well underneath a mask and they could do market it so you could have promotion wise with the masks joe if wwe wanted to go that route if the they wanted to make even more money than what they, they already are you know um i'd be more than willing and i think having yep the announcers and plexis having wrestlers separate joe if they're in the crowd of the wrestlers or the crowd having them social distancing i think it's they're such a big brand if wwe AEW impact started doing this it will influence other people to do the same because they have such a big presence so if they seem to be doing something, then others will follow. And I just think protecting everyone is like the most important thing, um, which, which is hard to when you have things like AEW and Impact now crossing over, when you're supposed yeah. to be having bubbles, when you're having um, people come in from the outside, obviously Drew contacting COVID, how many people was he in contact with on that night on Raw? Um how many have that passed to how many people now have to quarantine like they cannot make a work out of COVID it's just too dangerous at this point to pretend that someone has COVID when they really don't um, yeah. And but then you have things like that thing that went around Twitter and Instagram of was it um, Casey can I can't pronounce her last name uh, Casey Canzaro the out having a massive party no masks no social distancing like should that not be punishable because if that was brought in if ricochet brought that in and transferred that to some of their top stars should that not be punishable because the safety's not there and the precautions not there and they've just went out i know people don't believe in this and i know but that gives people no right to take that away from other people who do really want to survive this and who have family members who are vulnerable you know you don't know what everyone's going through so i i was surprised to see like ricochet and casey still on programs whether they've done a 10 day quarantine whether they haven't i'm not too sure but it's it's a whole big whirlwind at the moment and i just i think their protocol should be tighter um if they were as tight as they said they were how has covid managed to um joe how is it one of their top stars managed to contract covid when they're supposed to be born and self-isolating and not in contact and they're going through all these so temperature checks um, symptom checks, all this, and they have no crowds. I, I don't understand, you know. Yeah, uh, Ross, I'll ask you about this one because you're the one guy in this podcast, and will give me a very honest answer when it comes to this. When it's coming from uh, Tony Khan's baby W, uh, there was a there was a promo back in the summer from Taz who referred to uh, AW not running a sloppy shop 
which yeah. everybody knew was a dig at WWE for their COVID procedures. But they did that they, while while their champion was out with COVID. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's like I <laughs> I did not sleep with any of your friends except one of them. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't work that way, Taz. Like <laughs> Yeah, um, as, as Haley mentioned, um, AEW saying they don't run a sloppy shop, but then they're doing this crossover with Impact. Like, WWE have announced uh, that NXT won't be in the Rumble this year. But it's looking like they won't be in the Rumble because NXT and 205 Live is one bubble and uh, Raw and SmackDown are another bubble completely. So, when you've got people like Catanzaro and you've got Ricochet who are in two separate bubbles you know they're a real life couple you know that shouldn't be punished but maybe a bit of common sense should be happening like right, listen Ricochet we'll get nothing on Raw for you at the minute so maybe we'll put you on NXT and 205 Live at the minute so you're in the same bubble as your partner you know Reckoning or Maya Yim is now in the same bubble and on the same brand as Keith Lee because it makes sense Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, WWE moved people in the draft because they didn't want uh, talent who were in a relationship to have to be on different brands and make a relationship difficult. So if you're willing to move people so the relationship is, you know, so they can save money in a hotel and save money, you know, when the world's normal, then surely you can move people for the sake of bubbles. Um, and, you know, you were talking about earlier Keith Lee being wrapped up in cotton wool uh, just in case in case he's winning the Rumble I think AJ Styles in for a big performance in the Rumble because the the storyline leading up to it has been him beating people who aren't in the Rumble Ricochet who was one of them so if you've got Ricochet you know doing birthday parties without his mask on and social distancing with people from other bubbles uh, and then you know even further bubbles because you know wrestlers and different promotions are friends and then he's coming in and possibly passing on COVID to one of your you know breakout stars of the Rumble or one of your not breakout stars you know what I mean but one of your big stars of this year's Rumble your Iron Man of this year's Rumble I think that is pretty stupid and it is should be punishable and I'm just pointing out that everything the guys have said uh, just like backing up their facts Haley was saying as a referee she's um, you know she's out there for 45 minutes at a time this is a this is a dangerous virus that anyone can pick up at any time symptoms don't start showing until a couple of days in you know what you know knock on wood it doesn't happen but if Haley was on her way to a venue and maybe catches it for someone who's not wearing a mask on public transport and then she's out there for 45 minutes doing four matches yeah, with how many different people, you know? From exactly, different- exactly. It, you know, it's such a it's such a dangerous thing. And TNA, we know in the past, have had issues with um, not getting certain wrestlers' uh, wrestling licenses in certain states. So we know they've not got the money. Are AEW footing the bill for their COVID bills? Are AEW, sorry, COVID tests? Are, are AEW making sure that people are quarantining before coming into separate bubbles? You know, like it's... This isn't, um, wrestling isn't essential work, wrestling isn't essential travel. So if it was to stop all of a sudden, I don't think any of us could complain. So I think uh, it's ironic that we were saying about sloppy shops back in the summer. 
when they have now invited a whole new bubble and a whole different company into their bubble, while WWE, who is, you know, Raw, SmackDown, NXT is the one company, they've managed to make two different bubbles. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the uh, AJ Styles and Ricochet, actually, from this week's Raw. I think uh, they two, Ross, had probably the one very positive, notable moment from this week's Raw with uh, the finish to that particular match where AJ Styles uh, Ricochet sorry takes the best Styles clash you'll ever see in your your life with that whole suplex bounce off the top rope into the Styles clash finger beauty from a very crap Raw (laughs) yeah um, yeah sometimes I miss doing the Raw report with Jack and then there's nights like this where I think thank Christ I'm not doing that Um, but you even talk about the the show most of the time whether it was good or bad I can say that as the person who edited those shows. Look, me and Jack use that time to bond and become best of friends just because, you know, just because he likes me more than you and just because he likes David more than you and start the draft live doesn't mean you can start coming in. Now, let me finish my point, you orange-headed buffoon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even um, like him before the book it. So, sorry, try to get my train of thought back there. Um... Yeah, Ricochet and AJ Styles uh, had a couple of great, couple of good matches in the summer of 2019 over the US title. But I think we were, we we were certainly all a bit disappointed about that they didn't live up to our expectations. Uh, and you know, you saw the botched finish to the SummerSlam match where he's meant to catch him, but he drops him, and it, it just from there it just it didn't exactly work out the way we wanted to finish. But this match itself was amazing. Um, I think part of the suspense was out of it though because we know AJ Styles is on a tear at the minute and we know Ricochet is not not exactly at US Championship level where he was you know two summers ago so great match great finish but it's hard to be overly positive about it because as you said it was a really bad raw regardless yeah uh, Haley, it's a weird one now watching WWE these two main products because you get raw which is a pile of crap right now I've stuck up for I've stuck up for Raw so much in the last couple of years, but it's a pile of crap right now. But you've got SmackDown, which at the beginning of 2020 literally had angles with piles of crap, and now are producing great television week in week out. Everybody since raves about SmackDown these days, and rightfully so. It's, how can they get one thing so bad and the other thing so right? I have no. <laughs> I have to be honest. I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown in a wee while. Um, I'm trying to catch up with them on the network, but then I forget that on the network it's so far. It's like a month behind. Like a month behind yeah, it's a month behind. So I went, I was like, oh, I need to catch up on everything before the podcast. And then I was like, oh, right, we're only on the 6th of January on the network. <laughs> okay, this is not going to help me. Um, but I always remember like when I started watching it, like I was always a SmackDown girl. I don't know why, whether it was just because I'm like an underdog <laughs> and SmackDown wasn't doing too well at that time. I just naturally, I think you naturally go where your favourite wrestler is. So if my favourite wrestler was on Raw, I'd watch Raw more. If my favourite wrestler was on SmackDown, um, I did get really, really invested in the NXT year or two ago. I thought they were doing some fantastic stuff. I still think they do some fantastic stuff. Um, I think it's a different brand completely on so which can totally compete with Raw and SmackDown. Completely. Um, but I, they do this, it's sort of every year sort of it's either raw or if it's smackdown or it's raw or smackdown i know sort of more in 
a good like 10 12 years ago it was always raw you know smackdown never had a look in so i'm actually really glad to hear that people are really enjoying smackdown and maybe it's because it isn't so much the like raw was always the main show that's how i was taught so raw is it mm-hmm. where you want to go raw's the top dog show all the the big talent are on raw and smackdown gets all sort of the leftover like sure we'll maybe throw like one big guy in there but nothing will make sense when we when we do the show so i'm actually really glad to hear that people are really enjoying smackdown because smackdown had so much potential and still does have so much potential so the fact they're actually giving some spotlight to smackdown or whether it's just the wrestlers or like joe fact that's we're gonna compete with raw here and we're gonna have a better show and maybe it's like some kind of um competition between the two that smackdown are just coming out the better off it's really interesting to see yeah uh scott you know People say SmackDown, big start, uh, Roman Reigns' run as a champion seems to have invigorated the brand, but big star over the last couple of weeks is five-time former NWA world champion Adam Pearce, who has been doing all this stuff on SmackDown. He was, he was, <laughs> we, were, um, we were now denied him in the Royal Rumble fighting for the title against uh, you know, Roman Reigns. We're always going to do a bait and switch. It was obviously going to happen, but he also now he's we're seeing him still on Raw, preventing likes of Ricochet and Drew Gulak automatically getting into the Royal Rumble. Well, five minutes later, something comes up on the screen going blah blah. Declares himself for the Royal Rumble match. You know, what's 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 Pierce up to? You know, he's a face in one program and a heel in the other one. Oh God, those I mean. I really liked uh, the most recent SmackDown where they announced that it would be Kevin Owens in the match at the Rumble because it gave SmackDown a good like through line like story, and I kept looking for it to show that Pierce was beaten down. He was just accepting whatever stipulations Roman and and him were coming up for him, and at the end, just the being switch like, well, you've now given me what I wanted, and he suddenly starts limping like, oh, you know, I don't think I'll be able to you know make the Rumble, but I've got a replacement just in case, and out comes Kevin Owens, and it's weird how it shows how well they've told the story that. People are actively online saying, like, annoyed they're getting Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns in a last man standing match over seeing Roman v. Adam Pierce. I think that shows how good they told this story. And something about Raw, you were talking about bad Raw, is there's something I actually liked from what I saw of it on uh, Raw that I've been online and Twitter as usual shitting all over. I've seen people saying, oh, this is a crap idea, or oh, God, if I get the Japanese version of. Like the version of Asuka when she was in Japan could see herself now to be associated. Like the the thing they did with Alexa Bliss or Draw, where they had her go from Funhouse Bliss to then a weird dissolve effect to now she's all black Evanescence Bliss, where she basically suddenly acting more like the Fiend and it's all like spooky and then suddenly since the match is over, dissolve back into all smiley Bliss. I like that, you know, like Finn Balor dresses up and pretends to be a demon. And yet was so scared of the fiend when he debuted. So why is it any different from Asuka when they're trying to make Bliss become more and more like the fiend? Now she's got the her own version of the Mr. Rogers version of Bray Wyatt, and now she's got slowly becoming her own version of the fiend. So and I'm hoping now get these two versions plus original Alexa Bliss when she was wearing the Raw and SmackDown Women's titles. There you go. There's your three faces of Bliss for the Royal Rumble. I've been waiting for for another three faces of Foley. Yeah. Haley Sutton that was brought up in our group chat the other day. A lot of, uh, I think it was David Campbell or Ryan. I can't remember what it was. Uh, said um, what uh, the way they're booking Alexa Bliss right now is this whole fiend type character. Who can realistically better her in the Women's Royal Rumble? Do you think she's a big favourite now? 
I do actually is thinking about this earlier because she's been sort of I've been trying to follow closely because I, I do love Alexa Bliss uh, and I just I find I do find her fantastic and this is all that's been over my social media see if I don't watch a Raw or Smackdown every single time when I go on my Twitter it's Alexa Bliss it's videos of Alexa Bliss it's gifts of Alexa Bliss like what Alexa did so she is obviously doing something very very right for her to be completely over my social media even when I'm not watching it you know so I, I do think she is a very very big contender for this Royal Rumble um, who could I mean I'm trying to think of who I mean the other favourite I've been hearing is Rhea Ripley yeah well, that, we, we that, spoke about Rhea Ripley a lot Rhea Ripley Ronda Rousey Shayna Blazer I can't say her name sorry Shayna Blazer I can't say your name won't punch me um, so that is the three big names I'm hearing and they are all powerhouses so whether she could best then obviously physically maybe not but if she's playing those kind of mind games and she's freaking people out and she's doing the whole fiend stuff and I mean she shot Randy Orton in the face with a fireball like how much further can she go at this point um Joe she could she could do the three faces of Alexa Joe she could come out as like happy Alexa and then when she gets eliminated she gets re-entered as like the fiend Alexa I'm not too sure how that would work there's a lot of options that could go down but I was actually just really surprised just when I checked my social media the other week to see that she had magically got a title shot against Asuka <laughs> I was like wait what she's in the she's in the title picture now and she's beat Asuka clean I didn't get to see in the match but I'm assuming she beat Asuka clean pretty clean I so it's like and then that doesn't annoy me as such but it just reminds me of when they built Asuka up to be like this absolute warrior no one could beat her she held the title for the record number of days Joe and then Charlotte Flair beat her like at Wrestlemania and that was it that was a streak so it's it's kind of like I was a bit confused but then I'm wondering if they're gonna do something with Nikki Cross and Alexa in the rumble and whether that could be Nikki Cross best Joe Best Alexa and that could lead into a whole big thing I'm not too there's so many options and I think it's good that they're everyone's like trying to guess like the different options or what she could do um, but I, I do like it I think it's what some of the best stuff she has done um, I, I love the character and I, I could sit and watch it all day because I think she's just absolutely fantastic at it directions you can go up with now because she's become well, if you like, if someone tries to throw her over and then just start just going on the rope, she grabs them, like maybe does the mandible claw because she has her own version of the gloves that say play in mm-hmm. pain, or she can do like go full into this fireball and do a whole motor combat, which she's got to ask for each other. A big graphic comes up in the Thunderdome, finish her fireball. Like that's how like the bliss wins the Raw Women's title. You're gonna go mm-hmm. all sorts with this, you can. She could just, just be creepy <laughs> in the ring and just freak everyone out. Mm-hmm. she could yes, come yes. up and she doesn't enter like maybe she doesn't have the usual entrance and then like coming up towards the end of the rumble she comes up from underneath the ring she makes the hole like the fiend does just comes up red lights and she's in the ring with the last person and that's it you know it could, it could go so many ways and there's so many creative options and that's what I'm like worried about because usually WWE drop the ball <laughs> when it's like a really creative thing and they're doing so well and then they'll just do something really stupid and I'll be like could have done all these things could have done all these talk about reinvigorating uh, stars Ross we mentioned Smackdown and two 
wrestlers who seem to have got much more of a spotlight in the last couple of weeks than they've had in the last couple of years. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura back with the U Music and Cesaro with a clean victory over Daniel Bryan. You know, these two could be potential outsiders going into the Rumble WrestleMania seasons, and it's about bloody time. Stephen, I, I've opened the door to my heart many times, and it's, it's closed uh, out of sheer, sheer heartbreak. Um, I don't want to let them in again. Just you know, you know. <laughs> I know. See, see, see. See, Haley's new. She fell for my bullshit, though. Um, <laughs> no. Menstrual, so convinced. <laughs> uh, can I just make a quick point on Alexa Bliss? Now I'll move on to Cesaro and uh, Sheamus. Uh, sorry, Cesaro and Nakamura. Um, I like the idea of her being a favourite because, as much as Shayna Baszler or Blazer or whatever her name is, Blazer, Laser, and all sides of tasers, um, Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, and that are powerhouses. How much use is a powerhouse to someone who gets up and says, "Hit me again." and laughs in your face. So I do think that could be quite cool. And I really, like, why wouldn't Asuka be scared of Alexa Bliss? The woman shot a fireball into someone's face the week before. Had had I known that Haley had did this prior to joining Suplex Retweet, I might have not been, oh, welcome, Haley. You know, like, (laughs) if Stephen was doing it, I wouldn't be joining Suplex Retweet, you know what I mean? So, you know, these are things to think about. But, um... Cesaro, uh, Corey Graves described it best on commentary on the match with Daniel Bryan. He's never had sustained momentum. He's had flashes of brilliance and that kind of sums up his pushes. He's either been himself and lost or he's been with someone else but been in the background. You know, Seamus was the the guy who did the promos because English is Seamus' first language. Uh, Paul Heyman was doing his promos but he was talking about Brock Lesnar ending the Undertaker streak Zeb Coulter was doing his promos but he was essentially giving Donald Trump a platform to run on Um, you know these were all the things Cesaro had and Nakamura just the whole rivalry with AJ Styles was booked horrendously you know they had the match in Saudi Arabia that went to a draw then they had the match in Backlash that went to a draw pardon me then they had the no DQ match, also went to a draw, and then they had the last man standing. And he lost, and it was just like, this was a slow build where we thought hey, Nakamura should win every time, but we all thought Nakamura should have won at Mania. And then each once it ended, it sort of it put a damper on AJ Styles' reign as well, because after that, we all thought, well, the, the next person will be AJ, the next person will be AJ, the next person will be AJ. And, you know, his title reign suffered from it, and then Nakamura just went into these really poor US and IC title runs where he never defended the belt. And a, and a tag team title run where he never defended the belt. So I'm hoping uh, to get face Nakamura back. You can see with his promos in the past six months, his English has gotten a lot better. I think what Vince McMahon needs to realise is, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura speaks English a lot better than Vince McMahon speaks Japanese, you know. It's uh, it's hard. You know, Cesaro even once, I believe it was SummerSlam 2016, uh, he, no, sorry, uh, Battleground 2016, after being drafted to Raw, uh, he was getting interviewed and he went, why do people not think I'm good at promos? Is it because I'm an English? 
English is my fourth language. Do you want me to do it in Swiss? And then he rattled off something in Swiss. Do you want me to do it in German? Rattled it off in German. Do you want me to do it in Italian? And rattled something off in Italian. And it's like, you know, we we did a gimmick with Asuka at the start of the year when she was just speaking in Japanese. And it was a case of, I'm going to cut this promo. If you understand me, great. If not, tough shit, learn Japanese. Like, why couldn't we have had that with Cesaro? Like, just like, I can speak five languages, but I refuse to speak English. I'll speak my other four languages. But mm-hmm. um, I was I was thinking about where they could go with this. I think WWE is maybe wanting to get that really, that, that one great match at WrestleMania. You know, because Wrestle Kingdom always has that great classic match. AEW always, you come out with AEW, nine times out of ten having seen a great match. There's always one match in the middle of the shows, you know, and NXT, it was usually the tag team title match or the DIY match or the Johnny Gargano match. There was always that one great match. WrestleMania has not had that one great match in a while, I don't think. Uh, That just pure technician match. So I think they might be building Shinsuke and Cesaro up. You know, because Cesaro was making making it clear that he's Shinsuke's friend and no one else. Whereas Nakamura, and he's sort of between her, whereas Nakamura is now full on face, old music back so the fans can sing along and all that. So I think they're going to have them face off at WrestleMania. And I'm hoping it's like the mid, mid card, middle of the night, get the crowd absolutely riled up, classic match that we deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned NXT as well, Ross, and it's an interesting development we had on last week's NXT as well. We had the uh, the kickoff of this year's Dusty Classic. Well, the, it's the men's Dusty Classic. It'll be two mm-hmm. Dusty Classic this year. And uh, Scott, the big thing going into last week was who is MSK, you know, and the, the worst kept secret in the world the world has ever seen, uh, where it was the Rascals of Impact TNA, uh, the renamed Rascals. Nash Carter and Wesley, yeah, Wesley. Uh, you know, an impressive debut win for them over the Kane Daniel Bryan 2.0 team of Isaiah Swerve Scott and Jake Atlas. Uh, what do you make of the Rascals' NXT debut? I liked it. You know, I'm interested to see what they ever actually reveal what MSK stands for because their gimmick and impact was they were kind of stoners. They were quite childish. They do these promos like the cast in the style like the basement scenes from that 70s show uh, I remember talking to a friend of mine about this and he said MSK is going to be revealed to be like mischievous silly kids or something like that that's what it stands what? for I remember they did like their old finisher like the shooting star press and then one of them pushes them across so he lands them in like even reference them being called the rascals and that and like uh, Wesley uh, does a dive and uh, Vic Joseph goes these rascals are high flying and all that I just remember it is kind of very WVSD's names, like because sometimes they shorten them and they say like both their last names, so like Carter and Lee. I just get thinking Carter Lee sounds like someone who loses on dark every week in AEW. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm quite interested to see, like, you knew they were going to win this first round match, but given they're going up against Killian Dane and uh, uh, Drake Maverick, who I remember Dave on Central last week said he actually thinks they could go all the way in this. I'll be able to see how they go because I remember DIY debuted in the Dusty Classic. They didn't go all the way, but they came a big team. So I'm interested to see where, how far into the tournament they take uh, MSK. Mm-hmm. And uh, Haley, that's uh, today as well. We've also seen 
the announcement of the women's Dusty Classic bracket, which has included three new additions to NXT, which were announced earlier on this afternoon. Pretty much coming out of nowhere. They've got the additions of Cora Jade, who was formerly known as Elena Black, Zoe Stark, who was formerly known as Lacey Ryan, and Gigi Do- Dolan. Correct me if that's right. Yeah. That's wrong. Who was formerly known as Priscilla Kelly, mm-hmm. well known as the husband, the ex-husband, soon to be of Darby Allen. What do you make of those additions to NXT? Any of those names stand out to you from what you've seen, what, what you've done? Priscilla, um, obviously, is like the one everyone's talking about. The one everyone mm-hmm. seems to know. I, I've heard briefly of Priscilla. Jo, I, she was in the two thousand and I think it was two thousand eighteen Megan tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know of her from there the other two unfortunately I haven't seen any of their work I, I'm, I'm unaware I did see brief pictures of was it Lacey? no Elena I so. Elena, was on, Elena was on AW Dark a few weeks ago as well that might have been one of them and it was just sort of a picture with her and another wrestler on a show um, so I, I'm unaware of the other two unfortunately but Priscilla um, I'm interested to see she wasn't the one who was the one who was involved in the whole controversy with the tampon that was Priscilla Kelly (laughs) see see how things just click like but obviously again that's how I remember part of her was that whole big controversy so um yeah I'm interested to see what they do with her um she kind of reminds me a lot of Paige Mm-hmm. A bit the mixture of Paige, a bit of Haskins, a bit of Scarlet Bordeaux, sort of like a whole big mixture of them, sort of looks personality-wise, all that. So I I am very interested. She also did a bit of steampunk stuff, didn't she? Like I think so. I'm not I'm not <laughs> fully familiar with her on the stuff you mentioned. Yeah, I'm not as familiar. Sorry, Priscilla. Um I but yeah, so three new additions and it, I just don't know, it came so out of the blue today. Like, it was just the most randomest tweet. I was like, wait, what? There's three new girls. Wasn't even a picture with them wearing the performance t-shirts or one with Triple H, just like that, in the background? (laughs) Yeah. It was literally just the names tagged. And it was interesting to see that they did say formerly known as. It's Mm. one of the first times I've sort of seen that because obviously there would have been the article, there would have been the pictures of them in the performance gear. Um... Are they there already? Have they been quarantining? Are they going to appear on the next NXT? Are they going to appear in this? Like, how long have they been planning this? And could they not have put out a nicer tweet? (laughs) Joe, announcing them. I think it was just done. It seemed very rushed. And I I just didn't get it. I was like, so if you're put into the performance center you usually get like a big write-up that goes this is where they're from this is where they performed here's their age here's where the, here's a bit of background and it's just like oh here's these three girls there you go yeah and uh also a weird one that stood out to me was zoe stark uh the, t- the other two were paired together but they've paired zoe stark with marina shafir you know what happened to the other woman who was running about with shana baszler whatever what, i can't mind the can't mind the name I know Maria yeah. Shafir's the one that's married to Roddy Strong, but I can't remember the other one. Jasmine Duke, I think her name is. Yeah, Jasmine Duke, that's the one. Jasmine Duke. I think she looks like Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses, just that's a point out of nothing. <laughs> just the way she's got her hair and that, I think it looks like Axel Rose. A good Axel Rose, not Axel Rose now. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I don't know, is this... Is this maybe to give her more of a push? You know, because sometimes we see people um, 
I, I believe it was was it Tyler Breeze and uh, Bull. No, no, <laughs> Tyler Breeze and uh, Bull. Bill, Bill uh, and the first Dusty Cup, I think they were paired oh, they together. Did, they did a ton of random pairings in the first Dusty Cup. Right, they were paired together, then they ended up in a feud, and it was to give like, Bull that as big like, push, and to give like, Tyler Breeze his exit to the company, uh, to, uh, onto the main roster. And I don't know, are they going to put Starks with uh, Shafir? Because she is a known person, uh, but she's not someone who who you would expect to beat a debuting superstar. So if they go out and then maybe Shafir blames her, and then they go on to a feud, and this is how they introduce her. I don't know what they're going to do with the other two. Um, what I would say is, um, I'd, I'd like to see the women's tag titles maybe on NXT a bit more because I think they get lost up on on the main roster. And you know, we've we'll got two hundred five live that's used for the occasional Dusty Classic with you know usual two hundred five live superstars like Kelly and Dane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where we could just put just put the cruiserweight title on two hundred five live and go listen listen if you want to watch the cruiserweight title you need to go to two hundred five live we're going to put a bunch of people on there because we need somebody to watch it put them there and then put the women's tag titles on NXT um, but yeah um it's a weird one as as Haley said usually they give them a bio and give them a she's formerly known as this she has won X Y and Z title she's a former this that and the next thing. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was just, by the way, you know, our new name, former name, has signed with NXT. Yeah. And it was it was about, it doesn't fill me with confidence that any of them are going to win the Dusty Cup. No, um, the, the, the two that appeared are in the first round against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. And no. the Shafia the other, and Lacey Ryan team, they're facing off against uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. So they're going to beat the first round. Yeah. I, I, well, in fact, uh, anybody going up against the way at the minute, I have confidence they'll win. I think Kushida is pinning Johnny Gargano next week uh, to set up a North American title feud down the line. And I think someone is, maybe Io Shirai, is mm-hmm. going to attack the way. And then they'll attack her in her match. And that'll be a way to get them in the tournament, but then get them out of the tournament without like, damaging them if they go into a yeah. women's title match. Um, but I, I don't see Marina Shafir and uh, is it Stark? Yeah, uh, Zoe Stark, Lacey Ryan. Uh, I don't see Lacey Ryan and Marina Shafir lasting long in the tournament, but I do see them having a one-on-one feud together. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And to round off this week's show, there was a, a pay-per-view that happened on Saturday. Usually, it would not be the biggest deal of a pay-per-view. You know, TNA hard to kill. You know, but this was the show main evented by the AEW World Champion with the world's worst fake tan. Yes, it was uh, Kenny Omega and yeah. the Good Brothers headlining. Have you seen the fake tan? It's so bad. Yeah, uh, I've probably seen worse. There's probably wrestlers from over here that do a lot worse. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, they t- uh, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers taking on the team of uh, Chris Sabin, Rich Swan, and Moose replacing. Uh, Alex Shelley, who Scott has mentioned earlier on, couldn't be on the show. Uh, Scott, there's a um, that's the big main event that came from the Hard to Kill, but it was it's a weird show. You had you had that type of stuff there, and then you had Ethan Page fighting the Karate Man. <laughs> what yeah. the heck? Yeah, that was uh, 
funny enough that it is because like he, he basically killed himself killed off because he was leaving and then he's, he basically filmed it and then sent it off to impact and basically they rushed it together as it was presented and then he's came in and said like well i, I think they very much like i thought the more serious we portrayed it the funnier it would be because also the idea of a guy fighting his own alter ego is funny enough but he said that they just rushed it together into the version that they saw there and it was very lazily edited and i thought like I don't think it really mattered the editing wise because like even something like WWE would struggle to convincingly pull off someone fighting themselves, let alone a, a company like Impact Wrestling. So I think I, I it came out as much as I expected it to be. It was weirdly shorter than I thought it would be, but I think there was kind of something for everyone in there because like if you like the over the topness of wrestling, you got that. You got the knockouts, tag titles, every and the new champs, uh, Tasha Steels and Cure Hogan saying and I put a like online it's good so saying to Tony Khan see this is what you give people who win a tag tournament not some participation medals mm-hmm. so throwing some shots at, at Tony Khan uh, and also you had the barbed wire match between Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards and then also the main event and also a lot of people were kind of annoyed when Shelly got pulled out but after it I think a lot more people were talking about Miss than anyone else in that match because like, he did a Spanish fly at one point <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Ross, Moose, Moose's apart, Moose's came out of this looking like a million bucks, you know. Rich Swan's the AW, not the AW, sorry, the Impact champion, but the Moose, rotten about with his TNA title, seems to be the guy that a lot of people think they would like to see face Terry Omega if they're going to do the big crossover match more than they would like to see Rich Swan. Yeah, um, I think Rich Swan, um, you know, they did really, they did the sort of bait and switch with him when they were revealing a former, uh, a former WWE star was coming to TNA to fight for the world title at Slammiversary this year. They did the bait and switch where it was him and then Eric Young came out and then they, they built up all this goodwill with Eric Young winning the title but like attacking Rich Swan. But then you've got to think that uh, the AEW fans weren't really watching Impact. You know, Impact is sort of the, the best kept secret at the minute and apparently everyone's watching it and yet the viewership doesn't show that uh, and the pay-per-view guys don't show that you know it's the sort of hipster thing at the minute but um no for for this i don't think rich swan's the right guy um he, he became the unlikely champion he built up the goodwill but uh, we've seen before with unlikely champions they don't tend to last very long he's lasted longer than many thought he would and he's not like you know, Impact might have been going longer, but AEW, just with the, the names they have and the, the way they came out the gates and, you know, matching WWE for money, um, they are the big, they are the big company out of the two. They are the star power out of the two. And, you know, Kenny Omega is the internet darling. So he's, he's obviously going to be seen as the bigger star. So yeah, I don't see, I don't see him being the guy that goes forward with it, I think. Uh, in the coming weeks, Moose may win the title, but then where does it lead? Does it lead to, you know, champion be champion for the title? Does it, you know, what do you do with, what do you say to Rich Swan? By the way, we've gave you all this TV time and, you know, you fought Kenny Omega all this time, but now, you know, you're just out of the picture. Like, what is actually happening? You know, it's, there's a lot of things to put in place and that is the trouble with um, doing cross-promotional uh sort of booking you know as much as we say Raw Smackdown NXT no, it's, it's one guy that runs that so if he decides Raw's going over Raw's going over 
you know, TNA might not like the fact that they're going to put the title on Moose to then lose to Kenny Omega. You know, that's two of their world champions that have lost to AEW's world champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Haley to round things off on this one, uh, Kenny Omega, after that match that they him and the Good Brothers won, he said this week that he won't be featuring as much on Impact Wrestling, but we're actually now seeing other AEW wrestlers coming over. This week is in the form of Matt Hardy and Private Party, who became the number one contenders for the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championships, thanks to a little help from Jerry Lynn. Never thought I'd say that in 2021, but hey-ho. Do you think that this kind of relationship is a good way to kind of bring over the likes of the guys like Private Party, who people see potential in, but are still a bit raw for that AEW product that they're wanting to build, especially if they want to be the contender to WWE? Yeah, I think it's obviously COVID. Uh, I'm not enjoying the crossover bit, but um, I think it's a good way to build up their guys. I think it's a good way for them to get experience as well and try out new things, like whether Impact is kind of like, uh, I don't want to say playground, but sort of like a more training element for them, bring them over, get them to work with different guys, get them to try out different things that they can then bring back. Um the experience, I think, is the biggest thing. The fact that they're getting to wrestle other people and not the same continuous people in a big cycle. Um, if the roster's that small, as I said earlier, that the roster has now been expanded. You've got the whole Impact roster, you've got the whole AEW roster. There's so many crossovers that they can have there. And it's a good way for them to bring in fans as well who maybe only specifically watched Impact. Joe, here's some AEW guys. Why do you Joe, go out and check the guys on AEW and AEW be like, oh, well, these guys are on Impact this week, so go and check Impact. It's a, it's a good way to share kind of viewership as well. So I think it could work for both companies if they do it the right way and they import the right talent and they showcase the right talent. Joe, there's no point in sending someone who's in a dark match on AEW to Impact to try and put them over in a sense maybe it is maybe that's something they should like taking some of their younger wrestlers some of their wrestlers that are competing in dark matches and maybe not getting showcased as much and putting them a wee bit higher on an impact car but again it's whether impact would appreciate AEW taking their spots and not necessarily giving them spots AEW Peter Avalon the main event Peter Avalon Brandon Cutler the main event of the next impact uh, pay-per-view <laughs> don't book it it sucks <laughs> No. It's something as well though, like we were, we we're talking about the crossover and people, sorry Scott, I know I cut you off there, would people feel a slight, you know, going to TNA if it's maybe being called their developmental, would people see it as a slight, like what you're not saying, I'm good enough to be on national telly, but I can be on like local cable telly, would, you know, there is big stars and impact such as Sammy Callahan and, you know, Eddie Edwards and what have you, would they feel a slight, like, hold on a minute, why am I busting my ass here for, you know, trialist A and trialist B to come in and fight for our tag titles, you know. It is, and it does bring up a lot of the stuff that uh, local UK promotions and local Irish promotions brought up when they weren't happy that WWE was coming in and going, by the way, we've got an interview, uh, uh, interview uh, sorry, uh, we've got a relationship with OTT, we've got a relationship with Progress and ICW, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so the, I think they're like a lot of people are making it out to be a really really good thing I think there is concerns and I think if you were a TNA fan or if you were a TNA superstar the concerns would more be on your end 
because you've not got the financial power on your own to take on WWE. Yeah. So do you, do you hitch your wagon to AEW and know that they could maybe take your talent, kind of like we've seen in ICW, where they took, you know, right before Shug's house party, they took away the Coffees and Kenny Williams uh, and just basically kiboshed two of the biggest storylines of that summer. Or I can't believe you, that we thought Kenny Williams and Alan Echo was a big feud. I know, I know. Simpler times, oh, man. Really? Simpler times. <laughs> um, or, you know, you know, what, what do you do? Do you stand on your own two feet or do you maybe take the helping hand of uh, uh, AEW? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an what interesting one. Zack Ryder is now in the TNA and I am delighted at that. Oh, you're the biggest Zack Ryder mark I've seen in my I life. Hey. <laughs> yep. Ross uh, Ross went mental for anyone who doesn't know when we were watching Wrestlemania 35 pre-show oh, when oh, Ryder oh, beat the revival for the tag titles of all the things that happened that night the biggest pop Ross did all night was that happening it's absolutely he ended the losing streak exactly Scott says he ended the losing streak my biggest pop of that night no, was when uh, we did the sweep and Lucy's favourite wrestler, Bailey, get pinned off the Iconics and I turned and yelled at a nine-year-old child, YES! <laughs> that led to our downfall from being a fan. That, that was the start of it. Just went down. And now it's just gone. You know, you kill the rest of uh, a child's fandom. <laughs> uh, on that uh, happy note, I think that's an appropriate time to end uh, this week's edition of ESSR Central. So if you have enjoyed it, it's the first time you've ever listened to us, Please subscribe to us. We're on all good podcasting sites. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, or anything else that you find your podcasts. We've got so much great content on there, including this uh, ESSR Central every Thursday. We've got Saturday Draft Live with Scott's World of Hosts on every Saturday, mm-hmm. funnily enough. And ESSR Feature, which is out. <laughs> and ESSR Feature, which is out every Tuesday. We just did a show on the greatest Royal Rumble moments. And next week, we'll be looking back on the one year since Drew's Royal Rumble win. So that's an interesting couple of shows there. Uh, you can also get us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. You can hear all the stuff that we're doing. And we're also on YouTube. We've got loads of great content that I mentioned at the start of the show. You know, you have to look at David Campbell's face a lot of the time, but you know, you can you can stick your headphones in, turn the video off, you know, whatever helps you get through the day. David's going to hate me. I slagged them like every podcast I've won for the last month, you know. It's just it's great fun. Great fun. Campbell, Campbell slagging should be a national sport. <laughs> Elite sport Campbell slagging, you can get an exemption from COVID rules to go to David's house and rip the piss out. <laughs> exactly. Like, people don't apologise for breaking rules. You shouldn't f- apologise for following rules, you know what I mean? You've, you've followed the rules to the letter. You've done nothing wrong. Double down. Refuse to admit blame. <laughs> Oh, yeah, anyway. anyway, I would like to thank my panel. First of all, Ross, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, to Scott, thank you. Thank you very much. And to Haley on her debut, thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed your first show. I did. I've slowly, I've, if you've noticed, I've just slowly moved towards my router because I kept cutting out. So I'm on, I'm on a pillow on the floor outside my electric cover. <laughs> so yeah, oh, I had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. You get the hang of where the best place is to do these type of videos, uh, you know, we've had them in certain men. Ross and Scott lived in the one house, that was interesting, them recording one. Oh, I know. Thank God I moved. Not for Wi-Fi, just thank God. Uh, <laughs> moved to the hills of Scotland. Yeah, moved, moved to the hills of Lennox Town. <laughs> <laughs>
which area where the Wi-Fi runs on wind. <laughs> and, and the bus is driving by. No, no, I'm not in the conservatory this week. Haley's at work, so I can do it to catch him. <laughs> anyway, I've been Stephen Wilson, and we'll see you next time. Hello, I am the GOAT, David Campbell, and I would like to invite you, the listener, to my new show over at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets YouTube channel, and that show is The Conspiracy Theory, where once a month, I will be taking a look at all the rumours and speculation in the world of professional wrestling and giving the most important opinion on the matter. My opinion. Yes, that's right. Head over to Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Like, share and subscribe where you'll get a lot of other great content over there such as the new hit show, Quiz Showdown. But don't forget, check out my new show, The Conspiracy Theory, on Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Farewell, friends.